This week on An Hour With Flower, I've got a sailor who's now coaching. He achieved a bronze at the Youth Europeans back in the day and also had a couple top 30s at the Senior Worlds. This is all in the laser fleet. And he's coached at both the Olympics and the Paralympics. And when he's back home, he's raising two daughters and makes sure that he's the chef of the house. I'm, of course, talking about Charlie Bailey Strong. Charlie, how are you? Good, thank you, Flower. How are you? I'm, I'm all good. You're out in Villamora, I hear, at the moment. I am, yes. Enjoying the uh, warm weather. It's 19 degrees, which is better than the gales back in the UK at the moment. Yeah, out here coaching. We've uh, been here for just coming up for three weeks. And I've not personally been to Villamora, but been to Porto at the, for the Europeans a couple of years ago. Is it quite similar conditions to those big waves and stuff like that? It is, a, it is a particularly wavy location, yes. Yeah, probably not quite as much as Porto, because we're not uh, right out on the Atlantic, but uh, we definitely get some big swell. Today we had some massive, massive swell uh, running. Uh, a little bit offset, bit like your, your Weymouth Bay situation, but uh, certainly exciting. Leads to some, some big, big surf downwind and some pretty exciting rides on the rig, especially when you're trying to get back upwind, type of the bottom mark pounding into the waves. So, yeah, so, so it's a good location. We've had a, like most places, we've had everything from less than five knots to around 35 knots and uh, everything in between, but generally a bit of an on cross on wind direction and yeah, it's good variety. It's ideal and like you said, it's 19 degrees out there compared to in the UK it being, you know, <laughs> quite the opposite. It's with winter at the moment, it's about minus five. So, and getting those range of conditions can really benefit I presume exactly yeah it's well I mean being a lot warmer it's uh, yeah it just makes it makes it easy to we've been holding it's easy to do three hours on the water you know every day to get some good quality and, and duration on the water and there's generally people to sail with uh, we've got a nice little group uh, here and yeah, like I say it's a bit cold and you're breaking the ice off the boat to go sailing it's not so not so enjoyable but here we can maximise time on the water and uh, really work on the key priorities that we set out, which is great. And I, 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 like you said, those days when you're chipping off the ice, I remember the, you were youth squad coach alongside James Gray for me a couple of years ago. I remember there was a couple of times where, where you're breaking the ice off before getting out there and it's, it's a lot more painful on the hands as well. We actually had some ice here at the start of January. Oh, really? really cold snap. Remember when there was that? There was Madrid got that snow. Remember at the start of the year? Yeah. We got a bit of that left over. So it didn't quite snow there, but we. It was a bit, of, bit of a surprise when it was two degrees in the morning in South Portugal. Not what you expect. Not what we came here for. So uh, no. yeah, a bit of a surprise, but it definitely makes it more painful than yeah, freezing hands and. Well, I mean, it's, it's it's hard enough when you're on the laser, but if you're moving and doing something, when you're on the coach boat and you can't get yourself warm, uh, your hands freeze to the steering wheel and can't get enough layers on to keep yourself warm. <laughs> yeah, and just coaches complaining. And and you can't move around like you can in the boat. No, no, exactly. Yeah, and all we do is get ourselves more wet by bringing anchors in and getting yeah. sprayed. Unfortunately, with the the great speed that the laser does it's not like you're uh, escaping the waves you take the wave side on and get yourself drenched which is uh, less than 
dry ball, but hence, hence why we come to warmer climates when the uh, when the water temperature is a little bit better than probably definitely in the single digits in Weymouth at the moment. Oh yeah, least here sure. it's a bit warmer than that. And over the course of your career, you've sailed with a you know huge amount of people, not only you know coaching but also back in the day you were right at the front like i've mentioned you know achieving a bronze at the youth europeans back in was that 2002 yeah you making me feel old now <laughs> uh yeah it, it was it was back in the day yeah it's very fortunate to come through you know an incredible era of uh of sailors just to back and look at the people that are coaching and what's still still sailing yeah amazing to see the guys that are still able to mentioned a few sailors then let's let's start off with a little bit of an activity where we'll try and make the ideal laser say or ideal sailor so to speak and i'll give you a few names that you've either sailed with or coached and try and think of a unique quality to them that made them different and maybe gave them an edge over their competitors so let's start yeah so let's start off with Okay, let's start off with Giles Scott. Oh, Giles, the bean, he's formerly known. Um, yeah, I mean, he broke onto the scene, came, came in young, you know, with us on his first team, he was this unbelievable talent, like his raw, raw talent from a young age was, was, you could tell the boy was going to be good. Um, obviously, he only raw talent only gets you so far, but, you know, his, unfortunately, his size, he went out the laser pretty quickly, but that put him in a great spin, but, the sin, but I mean, he just—I mean, remember when he came in? He just—he just—he he didn't care who he was up against. Like he just wanted to win against anybody. And I remember his first senior year. I think he won the ISAF Youth Worlds and then finished top ten at the senior Laser Worlds, and you know, in the same year. And it was just—I mean, you just can't do that. Like it was almost disrespectful to the fleet. You know, it was—you know—how can a kid at that age come through? I mean, he was. Un- unbelievably good and you could see that and he's went, you know, he's going to go, he's going to go distance, uh, which he did, it, it is doing, you know, gold medal when he's, you know, pointing Ineos in the right direction around the Murphy's Cup. So he's, yeah, he's a, a phenomenal force and, he, and, he, and he's obviously worked very hard too, you know, it's not, I say, more talent doesn't get you everywhere, but it does, it starts you in the right direction and so it's raw talent. he had aspirations. So is that raw talent mixed with having no fear for anybody then? Yeah, I think he, he just, he didn't, he, yeah, he didn't, didn't care that he was younger than everybody, you know, less experienced, it didn't didn't matter to him, he was just, he was there to beat people, um, and he did it very, very successfully. Moving on to the second one, what, what about Nick Thompson? Uh, Tom, yeah, well, 
he did come through a similar just before Giles for us and he was saying he was you know, incredibly talented and very well in the optimist if he won a European an optimist and he came through radio he was a big big dog in there but work effort from Tom Perry I know he, he works just phenomenally hard uh, all, all the time um, oh can you still hear me? yeah Having that sort of clutch performance, then. Yeah, yeah, really. Just being able to, you know, tailoring his, the season around. This is where you need to to be at your very best. You know, you can't do it week in, week out. But you know, in an ideal situation, you can. But you know, really, you're going to get counted on the big events for the year. You know, the world, the Europeans, you know, the Olympics, the pinnacle events. Okay. What about? What about Paul Goodison then, another Olympic gold medalist? Yeah, could he be a phenomenal laser sailor? Uh, he was. I, I think every sailor needs to have a a super strength and, and to be the very best in the world in in a condition or in a scenario. And Goody in in the light condition, the light shifty conditions, was in a different league from everyone in that kind of two thousand and but really from. 2000, 2008, you know, I think was his, you know, unfortunately he had a back injury in 2012 for the games, but, you know, in that, in, in all of those Olympics, he was head and shoulders above everybody in that, the light, he just wasn't, he, he couldn't touch him, no one could touch him, he was, it, it was sub, probably, seven not, he was, you know, he, he knew he was always going to, he was always going to win. So it's having never a doubt, anyway. Having a super strength like that, yeah, I think, and I think everyone does in all the all the classes. I really think that there's, there's a certain wind range, or there's a certain, you know, an upwind or a downwind in certain conditions. You, every, all the top people, it needs to be better than ev- anyone when it's those conditions, and that they're guaranteed that they're going to win. Yeah. You know, I think that's that's huge. Moving that's on to so, next person. Also, was the youth squad coach at the time when you were coaching me was James Gray, the doctor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Came from my era as well. Uh, used to do a lot of standing down at Stokes Bay uh, together. Uh, yeah, great. I mean, enthusiasm. A lot of it. Uh, and Gray was, was he couldn't he couldn't fault it and just work effort. Like putting the time in, he'd probably put in more time in folks than anybody else. Always down there, you know, any day of the week, you know, entire time on the water it counts for a massive amount. And being able to keep keep going, whatever the weather, whatever the conditions, whatever's going on, and just just putting that time in is, you know, that's something that we everyone always struggles with is being able to get out there enough. And yeah, there was never any excuse. Trade was always out there. Just getting out, just getting out as much as possible, and 
another another coach or well, another sailor that you sail with that's gone into coaching is Tim Hulse. Yeah, Hulse. Uh, yeah, he did a lot of youth training with him. Uh, again, on a similar line to the goody of having a super super strength. Um, I thought Hulse's mid mid range mid wind stuff was in a different league. I remember when he and his ability to win races. Uh, when we had we when we had a youth Europeans in Poland that he won in I think the early two thousand two thousand one or two something in that area you might be able to correct me uh, but I remember him winning races by so far it was embarrassing and he um, he got a yellow flag on the last downwind of the race because he just didn't believe that he could be that far ahead and not have done something illegal but he was his ability to to, to win races uh, and win them by a long way was. Was uh, incredible, um, but yeah, just being, you know, yeah, being able to perform, being able to win races when it counted. I think there's one thing: winning a race, and when you win a race in a single design feat like laser by such a huge margin, it it's something else. And when you do it consistently, like you said, it's a real super strength. Yeah, well, it's really it's just stamping his authority. It was really it was a like showing that he was the boss, yeah. the boss by a long way. Wasn't even close. When you winning, when you win a laser raised by a leg you've definitely done something over and above where everyone else has moving on moving on to sort of people you've coached now you you actually coached the 2.4s out in New Zealand one of those guys was a guy called Paul Francis yeah yeah I had the privilege of going to the Paralympics in London with Paul and yeah Paul Paul was just he was completely mad um but in, in, in it just obsessed about uh, the, the setup, the, ch- the choice of styles, you know, what he was trying to do. What I found really interesting with the 2.4s, if anyone's been in one before, you haven't, definitely do it. They're a fantastic little boat. But a uh, very different perspective where you're sitting down inside the boat looking up, uh, looking at the controls, and his attention to detail about about the sails, what he wanted from the sails, you know, the, the the shape of the sails, what, what he was trying to do, you know, picking out the right ones. He bought, you know, masses and masses of sails in the build-up and looked through each one and we'd do all this sail testing and check out what, what he wanted out of it. Just, I guess, that attention to detail. Everyone, all the, all the top sailors have, have got something that they're absolutely obsessed about that has to be right. You know, and his was just getting, you know, getting the sail right, getting whatever it was and you know, sometimes it leads to having something that's a bit a bit obscure and not quite the same as everyone else but you know, that's what works for you and you've got to be happy with, with what you've chosen and uh, it's just, we, spent, we spent a lot of time doing it until you're right until you that attention sure to detail uh, like you said that attention to detail yeah. just to make sure that you get those fine margins because it could come down to it in the end well exactly yeah and you've seen that and it happens to the art it's more than going on with the America's Cup stuff and what they're changing there yeah. and just the mind uses little detail can make a, a huge huge difference and it's the same throughout the sport no matter what it is saying I mean, it's optimist through to a foiling 75 footer like there's some some little change that's going to make a big difference you just got to find out what that what that is and what works for you yeah and moving on to sort of another person you've coached was Jack Cookson yeah yeah Cookson was 
had a, yeah, a great time coaching Jack. I thought he was, for me, he had an absolute standout. Downwind was uh, freakishly good. Uh, and, you know, a bit like the kind of, you know, where's having a super strength at a point of sailing, you know, in, in lasers, if you can be quick downwind, if that's a, if that's a strength, you're just going to absolutely chop through the fleet, you know, and, and make their position into a real counter. So always taking positions on the downwind, he was, everything always looked impressive in his downwinds. Uh, if, that, if that can be your strength, open above anything in a laser, or in probably in, in many boats, that would be would put you in pretty good shape. And then moving on to last couple, so Matilda Nichols? Yeah, yeah, I've had a bit of work with, with Matilda throughout their radials and, and use training, but to me, she stuck out as just a, a proven winner over several classes and look back through any successful sailor they they medalled at an important regattas throughout their career and you know big importance on being able to do that at a youth and junior level and continuing that through and uh, the fortunate to coach Matilda to a silver medal at a youth worlds uh, a couple of years ago and you know she's done the same throughout four point sevens and into into radials and it sets you up so well for jumping into the senior circuit. If you have, have been able to win, you have been able to be at the pointy end of the fleet from a young age, then it, it puts you in. You know how to win. You can take that forward into, into the senior. And circuit. most recently and currently right now, you're coaching uh, Ali Young. So. I am, yes. Yeah, just uh, we started working together, which is, which is great. It's exciting. It's uh, going really well. I'm well, three weeks in. Uh, so, it's, yeah, a good, good challenge. Uh, for me, yeah, I mean, Alan's you know, fantastic sailor. And, you know, having been to the last two games and then selected him for Tokyo, looking at structure and evaluation, the way that we, the way that she evaluates performance, looking into, you know, most stones unturned, it's going through methodically. What what he's working on, what he's trying to improve, what, what the specifics are to do that, and, and looking through with with detail, having you know, real facts to back that up. On this is this is working, and why, or this is what we need to improve on, and why, and um, where, where the little gains are to be made. So, you know, it's not just a case of going out sailing and doing the farm on the water. The off water is hugely important, and really, that's where the gains are, and we can. And last last person, what would you say your personal biggest sort of strength was? My biggest strength? Maybe you should ask the sailor that. Uh, but then again, it depends which sailor that you ask as to what I say. Uh, what's bit, I mean, I, I think it, as well in terms of the details, I mean, for me, you know, just in just sort of core values with the coaching, what I, I just look at it as what I, what I would like to have had when I was a sailor and what qualities you know I want to have from my coach uh, but for me a lot of it is I mean enjoyment is massive uh, for, for both the sailor and the coach and the, and the relationship uh, but also just I like to what I think our sport struggles with a lot of the time is, is having facts behind things or having details and, and really like 
try looking into the detail, looking into the facts, try and have numbers, quantitative uh, data to put behind reasons behind what works and what does maybe doesn't work, and you know, video evidence for that. So, because it's pretty hard to argue with. Having, having, that, having that data to back it up, you know, you, like you said, you can't argue with the data. That's what I try to, yeah, exactly. Try and, try and put, you know, it's not just an opinion. There's times when an opinion is all we can go off, but there's other times when, you know, this, it gets a much bigger buy in from the sailor uh, and from yourself, you know, that we're on the right track if you, you can back it up with with some numbers, with some, with some pictures, with, you know, evidence, you know. That, that makes it, for me, that's a hugely important uh, for, for making improvement. That's, that's fantastic. Well, thanks for the intro there. And um, just to sum up, so how did you actually get into sailing initially? Was it through your family at all? Or? Yeah, yes, it was. Uh, so my dad, so I grew up um south coast of the UK. Uh, I, the local sailing club is Warsash Sailing Club on Herrenball. And my dad, dad is a sailor. And so, you know, like these things, you kind of get into it because you, you follow with your, your mum or your dad. Uh, and, you know, mum wasn't so keen on sailing. She liked it if it was sunny and warm. But, you know, all the other things these days are far, far between and handy. But no, dad was a keen sailor, so I started sailing mirrored engines. And the boats with the red sails. So it didn't start a conventional way. It didn't go down optimist. Where I was, was a bit big uh, for optimist, so... in laser sailing yes yeah well I, I mean I was going down a double hander route but my crew for whatever reason decided that he'd rather go laser sailing so he had enough of being with me in the boat and uh, so he went off laser sailing so I thought well I suppose I'd better do the same so grabbed a laser and, and got into that and my size well the radial wasn't the youth boat at the time and I was probably too big for it anyway I think I Started laser sailing, and I was about 89 kilos, which at the, in that era was quite big. Uh, well, it still is actually. Uh, and yeah, jumped in and, and started laser sailing, and yeah, I thought it was great fun. Physical boat, I was doing a lot of rugby at the same time, so it worked quite well. And uh, yeah, carried, carried on with lasers, really. So you, were sort, you were sort of having to decide them between rugby and sailing, was it? That sort of case, or? Many times, 
times I was finding myself at the bottom of a heap of people, heap, heap of men on the rugby pitch, and uh, these guys were, I used to be big for my age, and then everyone else started getting a bit bigger than me, and decided that wasn't so much fun. So, uh, yeah, best away from rugby. Which, yeah, I love the sport, and it's, yeah, still, still watch it a, a lot. And, and uh, I had a lot of friends that went on to play internationally, went to play for England and play for professional teams. So that's a different, that was a different life. So it was a different story. Do you, do you think if you pursued your dream of rugby, or your, you know, your passion for rugby, do you think you could have you know, played with your mates for England as well? Or? Never know, mm. but I don't know. We, uh, it's one of those mysteries when I'll never know the answer to it. Do you sometimes wonder what is? But uh, I don't think I'd have been big enough for that. I think I'd have been. Uh, I'd have had to spend a lot of time in the gym. Those boys are massive now, and uh, you know, I look at the position that I was, and look at the size of those men now. You know, I just don't think I could put that much muscle on my, my body. I just uh, it'd be too much time pumping iron. I just don't know if I could actually do it. So, just watch from the outside now. But, yeah, still, still watch a lot of it. Yeah, I'd love to play. I, I got back into playing a little bit here and there, doing some sevens. And, but, yeah, it's a, it's a what if, really. But, but you, that's okay. I'm very happy with what I did. You ended up staying in that, you know, in the laser and, you know, striving forward. And like, like I mentioned, at the top, you got a bronze medal at the Youth Europeans. And, um, you know, also... Top, a couple top 30s at the senior world which you know those results are fantastic and you came through a sort of golden generation really of that youth sailing back in the day in Britain what what was so special do you think about it back then? It was yeah we had a great great year of um, laser sailors I think it's uh, what has continued I mean you know it hasn't, hasn't led up has it I mean there were we had all, all three on the podium at the Europeans, you know, last year. I mean, it's a fantastic legacy of the British sailors in the laser, and, and we're out of the class of the laser. You know, don't know more about. But I think, you know, that that internal competition. I mean, just really, really pushes everyone on. I think it really shows shows the strength of working in a squad. I think the, the successful teams that have carried on doing that, you know, of recent, you know, I think. The strength of mind being the British team, the Australian team, the New Zealand team, you know, where they just keep churning out more and more top sailors. I think it, it just breeds success when there's, when there's top sailors, when you come in as a nipper into it, you, you aspire to these guys and, and really look up to them and want to challenge them, you know. And we, remember, you know, when we, when we got the opportunity to, to race against Goody and, and the likes, and you, you just you wanted to take results off them. You wanted to try and beat them, you know, it was just it's a huge opportunity and and that's just just continued. It's uh yeah, that working together obviously has been a very strong coaching team throughout and uh, you know, there's been really good sharing of information. You know, it's only a laser, there's not too much secrets to have but, you know, there's worked worked very well as a team and, and continues to do that, you know, it's just about the performance of the squad and you know, that that'll produce results and I think that's a huge point is as well as because the sailors are right up the top, you know that if you especially at a qualify, if you if you put everything you possibly can into a race and you can just see how much further, you know, the top guys are in front, you know sort of, well, if I get to their stand I've got a good chance of getting a top ten at the worlds, which, you know, 
which is always sort of a Brit in the top 10 at all the big events. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's incredible. I mean, well, I remember even, you know, those, those top 30s that I had at the, the Worlds, I mean, I think I was still fifth Brit, you know, at, at them. I mean, it was, you know, it was, the top 10 was lifted. It was, I mean, you know, in that era we had, you know, I mean, it was, it was Goodison, like Ed Wright, Dan Holman, Mark Howard, you know, they were just, I mean, in Chew Styles, in back, and, I mean, it was just a, has been like you said with the the British laser sailors are still at the top but would you say there's been any differences have you noticed a change in how your squad was back in the day to the squad nowadays It's a, it's a big compromise isn't it it's how much do you want to enjoy yourself and how much do you want to get the top results because I think the more you you know the more you're out partying the the more you're taking your eye off the ball but at the same time it's you've got to have that enjoyment I think and it's having that compromise between the two oh yeah, yeah that's, and that's like all sports you know everything's changing usually in that uh, you know you look at like rugby I mean you know, professional rugby players now don't even drink. I mean, if you look at that over the years, you know, that was, probably, that was one of the biggest parts of the rugby firm on the professional era was the parties that happened afterwards. So it's, uh, everything's, everything's changed, you know, in terms of that. It's, uh, you know, and it's a job. Too. You know, it's not a, not a hobby or a part of the time. It's, it's an income. It's what people do. And if you're not at the top of your game, then um, you're not going to be able to continue. And, uh, you know, it's just, the mentality's changed hugely. In terms of that, and, and so it should do. And you know, even though sort of back in the day, you got those good results, and you, you said you know you, you like to have a bit of fun on tour. But there was one time you had told me beforehand that actually you actually end up in hospital after in Newport week in Belgium. Yeah, uh, what, yeah, you make it sound like it's a drinking thing. There. No, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> No, there definitely was no, no alcohol involved in this one. No, it was, a, it was an unfortunate event. Yeah, so it was a, we were on a youth, we were on a tour around Europe doing some, uh, some regattas, and uh, we were doing the Europa Cup scene, which was, well, still is a very big scene, but it was it was massive then, and we had a, an event in Newport, Belgium, which was very popular, and uh, I remember coming back in, and 
jumped off my boat after the day sailing, jumped onto the slipway, and unfortunately, the this corrugated iron that maps out the, the kind of edge of the slipway hadn't quite been finished properly, and I landed on the end of there and, and chopped the end of my toe off, which uh, ended my dump a bit early, which I ended up in hospital, uh, having my toe sewn back together, and that was, uh, yeah, unfortunately I I was back home with my foot up, and whilst my boat continued around Europe for in the next sort of six weeks, which was then used by everybody else on the trailer as the spares boat, <laughs> by the time I got my boat back, there was minimal equipment left on it, oh. I think everything, everything from toe straps to blocks to the cleats to mast, and I don't think, I think I had about a hole left, I think that's about <laughs> it. Not very, not very useful working toes. Uh, but yeah, so you were sort of two disasters from one in a way, then. I know as well that you know when you get injured and then you know <laughs> the other guys are there you know whether it's playing a joke or in your case you know taking stuff you sort of your patience runs a bit thinner did it did you lose your cool with them at all with when you got your boat back yeah yeah well, it, well unfortunately it happened at the beginning of the summer so I still had chance to uh yeah I think I got another event in at the end of the, the summer but it was definitely not you know not what you're looking forward to you know, throughout the winter and do your training for your summer to get away for events and then it's cut short. So it's it's definitely, a, you know, a bit of a reality, you know, kick for there. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a short-term setback, but you've you got to look, have to look at it as well further on and, and what opportunities can come of that. It's going to have the perfect build-up and you know, it's the world showing us at the moment with COVID. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's looking at other opportunities, what, what can you best, make best use of the situation that, that you're in and how you can use it to your advantage. So, yeah, it's just up and down. It's a rocky road. And just, like, towards the end of your laser career, you, you know, like I said, you got a couple of top 30s at Senior Worlds, but then shortly after that, you, you stopped the laser sailing and went into coaching. What, what was that shift? Was it because you thought, right, I've got to start getting money in or was it a question of, you just didn't want to pursue the high level competing anymore. Yeah, it was a, you know, it was a difficult choice, you know. That and thoughts with it. I mean, I guess I, I looked at it and looked at the, you know, it's a, it's a cutthroat. It's only one person makes it to the games, and you know, looking at that, I mean, for me, that was that was the pinnacle of the sport and what what I was aiming aiming for. And because I could see that there was becoming a bit of a pecking order and. And I wasn't at the top end of that. I mean, I was you know, definitely in, in the shadow of, I mean, Goodison was for sure the top of that era. And then there was, you know, probably had Charles within there and Tompo and, you know, there were other people too. And I, I could see that, you know, I wasn't, realistically wasn't going to be, wasn't going to be going to the games, you know, anytime soon with them. Look at the changing classes, but unfortunately, moving to the sin was uh, loaded with likes of, Ben Ainsley and Ed Wright and so it definitely didn't look like I mean whilst whilst nothing's impossible it certainly looked like a pretty hard ask so 
money into help fund my own sailing and started enjoying that and that has been quite a, a good opportunity so yeah start, start to pursue that and look at where it could take me and you've not looked back in a way as you're still doing it exactly yeah yeah i mean i still love it absolutely love it it's uh you know i feel like it's well, I didn't, maybe didn't achieve the pinnacle and my dreams. I feel like I'm, I'm helping other people, other athletes to, to do that, and it's a fantastic opportunity to, to do that. So, it's, yeah, go out and do what we do. What we love is great. As many people that hate going to the office and hate going to work each day, whereas I love it. It's, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's great. It's, it's, yeah, today's always, it's always a great day to get out on the water. Yeah. Well, only when it's warm, not, not when it's cold and raining. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Although, like we said, the the cold the cold days in Weymouth. But you, your first sort of international coaching job, well, first coaching job, you were telling me was in Trinidad. It was, yes, yeah. I got a got a chance. To, well, I was actually at the time I was. I remember, I was working at the London Boat Show, and uh, not seeing daylight. It was going, you know, going into the, the show, and it was. Um, dark in the mornings it was dark when I got out again this sucks and this is in January time and and anyway I got this opportunity to go to Trinidad and the Caribbean to go and coach the the uh, laser national team there and I thought that sounds like a good idea that sounds warmer that sounds nice I could give that a go so uh, yeah I remember a couple of days later I uh, was on a plane out there and we had a great time out there it was uh, Fun play. Fun Dangerous if you go. If you live with the, live with the guys from South America and you live in the Caribbean, it's, uh, yeah. I thought it was going to kill me to start with. Oh, really? Uh, the party scene out there was pretty crazy. But, um, <laughs> it, was, uh, it was good fun. It was, it was definitely a lot of fun. But, uh, yeah, that, that really opened up, the, opened up the coaching scene for me. That was, um, that was the start of it, really. That started leading to other opportunities, which... So what was it like when you first, you know, moved over to Trinidad on your own? And, you know, you're all on your own, I presume, no, no family with you? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a big, big step. I mean, I've, I've done the, you know, I've, I've done the gap here. I've done the, you know, Southeast Asia. I've done, done Australia. I did all that, that travel. So, you know, it wasn't afraid of getting off to do that. But it was, you know, it's definitely daunting when you, when you move somewhere you've never been to before and you, you've got to go... You know, you coach people you've never met before and getting you know, picked up by the guys from the, the sailing centre and then, you know, taken to accommodation. But, oh, here's, your, here's your housemate, you know, that you've never met before. He's the guy that's running the, the Optimus programme. He's crazy guy, Foco. Uh, still good friends, you know, with and see him on the circuit a lot. But, yeah, it's definitely different, but you just you sort of throw yourself straight into it. I mean, it was, it was awesome. It was you know, getting, getting in there. Make make a difference to the sailing and enjoy yourself. You know, whilst you're there, but I mean that was yeah, sort of first big, first big bit of coaching, I guess. And I, I presume you yeah. still sort of like you said you keep in contact and bump into the people now and again. Do you at uh, the international events? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's just a big family, isn't it? So, I mean, it's, uh, you know, you keep seeing the same people, whether it's people that you used to compete with or you know, it's people that. You're, um, you, you know, you coach with over the time, and you know the coaching community is, is, is a pretty, 
pretty cool one. You keep seeing people, you know, you move people, move countries, move to different organisations, and you know, yeah. Like I said, like Soko, I first started coaching with him in Trinidad. He, he then ended up working in Singapore, but and I was coaching in Malaysia at the time, so you could see him a lot there. You know, and I saw him like he was coaching uh, another team in the NACRA and then the sort of Rio cycle, which I saw him a lot when I was coaching lasers again there. So. And then you were telling me beforehand that you went to the Worlds in New Zealand and then a job opened up in New Zealand shortly after for you. Yes, yeah, so I got a chance to go to 2008 and uh, the World Championships in, in New Zealand and I went there with the Trinidad team and yeah, I just remember getting to New Zealand and I mean, have you, have you ever been to New Zealand? No, I've I've never been in the Southern Hemisphere. Yeah. So. Oh wow, you got to get down there. <laughs> I mean, it's just a fantastic, fantastic place. You know, if you get anyone to watching the racing, no, this car. Yeah, that was where I was based. And well, our first event was in Auckland, and I remember the boat was in the marina, sort of near the, the Harbour Bridge. And every morning, I then pick up the boat and drive round North Head, which was from the racing team, and then into Takapuna. And I thought, wow. This is a magic place. I mean, an unbelievable sailing setup. You know, the, the country is mad keen on sailing, mad keen on rugby. Yeah, great weather, great location. I just thought, yeah, this could be a cool place to to come back to. And that, that was my first 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 time in New Zealand. And like I say, yeah, I got fortunately got chatting to some people and got the opportunity to go back and, and run a yacht club on Nelson, which is the South Island. Uh, so I didn't go back to Auckland initially. Went to went to the South South Island Manly Yacht Club there for two years, which is you know if you ever make it to Nelson and the Able Tasman region is another unbelievable place. That's in the summer, yeah, big sea breeze, big bay, awesome waves, sailing. I mean, it's yeah, really 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 cool place. And I did a couple of years there before then getting the opportunity to move back to Auckland, uh, which I did. Uh, later and just loved it. I mean, it's just an amazing place. You could, yeah, at the end of the road, I could go paddle, paddle boarding at the end of the road into the city, into the marina, and go to work there. And, you know, just the sailing area there is it's fantastic. It's so well set up for it. You can see, you can see why they produce some successful sailors. Yeah, I think, well, especially it being an island as well. And you, you, like you said about the America's Cup, the, you know, the scenery, the, you know, the wildlife just it just looks so amazing like the volcanoes that are there as well it looks absolutely so picturesque it's somewhere that I'd really like to go oh yeah if you ever get the chance to go you know for a sailing event or for anything you know fantastic I mean you know what I went, I went there for the well, first time I went there for you know, a couple of weeks over the gap and then I got the chance to go back for a job went for six months and well, ended up staying for seven years uh, and what's you know, it, when I did come back, I was. <laughs> what's it like coaching the two point fours, a boat that you, of course, haven't sailed? I presume. Well, I hadn't sailed it until I yeah I got a strange chance to, to get into. It. I was actually coaching a coaching another sailor in New Zealand, and he had a uh, brother who um, was uh, was a Paralympic sailor. 
he sailed the 2.4 and through coaching his brother started coaching him in the, in the 2.4 and yeah had never seen it before never done any sailing and because we had such a small fleet of them where we basically didn't have anyone else to sail them uh, I, I used to coach by jumping in the boat and sailing against them and uh, he got into that and it was you know, if you haven't sailed the 2.4 I highly recommend it it's a really fun Pretty fun little boat, very strange perspective when you're sitting down basically underwater and when it gets windy you actually are underwater so you spend the whole time pumping trying to keep yourself afloat. But yeah, very different perspective when you're looking up at the sails and you can adjust everything. It's, it couldn't be any more different to a laser. It, uh, you, know, you can adjust absolutely everything on the boat. You have back stays, side stays, you can you know, throw the rig forwards, uh, you know, you've got everything that you control there so it's Really fun little boat. It's very bizarre when you can't see. You've got no perspective on the race course. You can't. You've got no elevation, so you can't. You, you can barely see the wind. The mark most of the time. You can't see the wind on the water. You can't see anything more than the waves in front of you. It's, uh, it's definitely, definitely different. And uh, yeah, really good fun. And coaching wise, coach is so different. Like you said, that from a laser where you have about three control lines that do. Not much, and then uh, 2.4, which you can control everything. Coaching-wise, that must be totally different to get your mind around as well. Yeah, it's been a big, big learning opportunity. It was, uh, it was fascinating. It's, like I say, yeah, you come from a laser, and there's not too many variables, different things you can, you can adjust or change, you know, and then going something like a 2.4, you know, I'm sure that's 470 pages would be laughing at the same things like that, but it's, way to New Zealand before you sort of took on that job you you met your your wife the mother of your two daughters she's also at the um sort yeah. of basically the say uh, the Australian version of cow's week yeah yeah so we, yeah I, uh basically went was on the way to New Zealand but it's been a month in Australia doing some sailing on the way because my uh, best mate was a yacht master instructor there and my wife was doing her yacht master uh, ticket with him, so we we, we met during this regatta, like you say, in in Hamilton Island, which is in the Blitzlanders in the north of Australia, and then we started sailing down the uh, the east coast, and we, well, my friend and I were communicating to meet up at different marinas on the way down, so that we just you know have had a social drink, and uh, she was on the other boat, and yeah, we met out there really, so it was. Uh, Oh, nine years, no, is it more than that? Twelve years ago, is it? Yeah. Several Five. years ago now. And yeah, just, uh, uh, yeah. just managing your relationship, because, you know, when you're off coaching, you, you could be away for a month without seeing her. What 
how does that how do you two sort of get around that and keep it being successful yeah it's a different difficult one it's uh yeah it, it is hard and i know a lot of people struggle you know with it we've been pretty fortunate that it's, it's been the case since we got together uh yeah I, this is this is what i i do and i'm, and I'm away and it's you know it's not easy it is difficult but it's um for, fortunately it's basically been the normal so during COVID, the, the not normal was uh, being around so much. Uh, so, which was great to see the family more, but it was very different in terms of our relationship. And we, we very, yeah, we, we set up very well for it. We have an au pair that looks after our kids, uh, helps out, you know, when I'm not not there. But yeah, it is a management. You just have to. We, we just make sure that we make the most of the time when we are together, and we always try and have a holiday when I'm on a break from training. Or, yeah, you know, if, if if I'm away for a long time, then the kids and my wife will come and meet meet me, and we'll we'll meet up somewhere, you know, at a cool location when we've got a regatta. She she generally wants to go somewhere nice. She, she thinks that going to somewhere like Poland isn't really a holiday. So she's rather, you know, she's looking at coming to Lanzarote or you know those sort of things. Anywhere in northern Europe, she doesn't really think it's a holiday. It needs to be hot and sunny and, and a beach weather. So uh, that's it. But really, but really, when we got some downtime when I'm not when I'm not coaching when I'm away, really make make sure we're, we're on holiday. And, and she's a sailor too. They say we we met sailing. So this last year we did a couple of really cool trips. We with, with the kids, we're getting them into into sailing and water sport. And we we got a yacht and we did a you know bareboat charter around Sicily for a week. And we did another holiday where we we went and did the Greek islands for two weeks on a yacht sailing around there. So. Yeah, which was which was awesome. So it's great to try and get the kids. Well, it's, it's, it's making sure that they have a, a good appreciation and, and respect for the water. We want them to be safe and confident around the water. And you know, if they get into sailing, then fantastic. But I'm hopefully not going to be a pushy, optimist parent and make sure that they they love they love that as a sport. They can do whatever they want. But, uh, they like something around the water. And great. I mean, our eldest daughter, you know, she's a, she's a fish. She spends all day in the water. She goes, she, off the yacht, she would just jump in every morning before she's even had breakfast. She'd be straight into a swimming costume. <laughs> Cannonball off, off the boat, straight into the water. <laughs> it's good to, it's good to know that your kids are also, you know, into, you know, into water sports and that. And, but getting back to your, you know, your coaching career, after, you know, New Zealand, you went to Paralympics, you then coached the Cook Islands at the, Olympics and um, what was the difference? The, the infrastructure must have been so different in the Cook Islands compared to New Zealand. Yeah, massively different. Massively different. It was, uh, yeah, it was. It was uh, I mean, you know, it, it, it take numbers for example, like the Cook Islands. I think we had a, the, the combined athlete at the Olympics was eight um, overall sport. You know, two sailors, and then there was like a swimmer and an athletic. Different adaptations to the 
no, no two boats are the same. You know, everything is unique for the sailor in terms of what they're able to do. So it was fascinating when you look at the different boats and what people have done. It's a real, you know, ex- experimental seeing what, what can work. And for me, that was, yeah, it was really good fun, really, really, uh, really rewarding uh, to, to do that and to be, to be able to do things to get people, get people out of the water. Because I didn't just do the, the top level of the Paralympics, I did everything from the grassroots up, you know, getting people first time out in the water and, you know, people that quadriplegics who would, you know, rely on everything off a, off a machine, just being able to get on a boat and, and sail the boat by themselves and would adapt the boat so that they could control everything by, by straw and, and, you know, to blow and suck to the sail controls and the steering. I mean, it's, it's just awesome. Like, it's so cool to see. So just uh, literally just operating the whole the boat off just by their mouth. Yeah, I mean, you know, some, you know well, some people, you know, they, if they didn't have any um, function of, of, of different limbs, then that, that's all they had. It was, um, yeah, it, you know, that, that was amazing. Uh, that's you know, and, and so rewarding and, and to see them do it and just come back, you know, time and time again, you know, to do it. And, you know, obviously there were some mishaps along the way. You have some, as you know, Electronics and water don't always work so well together. So you'd occasionally get a, you'd get that sometimes where a sailor would be disappearing off out to sea and wasn't sure whether something had gone wrong on the boat which wasn't allowing them to turn around or whether they they'd seen freedom and they were off and <laughs> 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 never to be seen again. You know they they just loved it. You know you couldn't get them back off the you get them back in. They just wanted to be out there all day. So yeah, it was, it was wicked. I loved, loved that. I think when you look at the Paralympics in general, what some of the you know athletes are able to to do is incredible, and especially in in sailing where you rely so much on pulling and you know pulling ropes. So if if you don't have your arms, it's that's even more difficult. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a real it's a real shame that it wasn't in the Olympics this, this time around. I really, really hope that it gets back in again because it was. Uh... It was great. It was, it's, a, it's really good. You know, awesome sport. It gives people the opportunity to compete when they might not be able to otherwise. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it was yeah, great, great opportunity for people to, to do that. And everyone's on an equal playing field. There's no, you know, two point four. It didn't matter whether you know you, you were um, Paralympic or not. It, it didn't make any difference to you in both. There was nothing, no benefit or, or, or difference to either way. It was. Yeah, and everyone was an equal playing field. It was it was fantastic. We got some really good racing. They have a really good circuit. They have they have an open world championships, which is attracts you know hundred hundred boats, I think, and it's super competitive and, and really good. And it's you know there's a lot of very good sailors and people competing in that. It's, it's really good fun. I highly recommend to give it a go. You get a chance to. And moving forward again, you you then came back to the UK and done some work with the the youth squad. I was uh, in it back in, well, that been the first time, we've been 2017, am I right in saying? And, um, yeah, I think I, yeah. I, I remember the, the first day we had, where you were coaching me, the first time we met, and um, you already brought us up in the Jake Fan Price uh, podcast, and we were towing back upwind. I, I think I'd had about one or two tows before, we went for attack, and I pulled uh, Jake out of the boat. Do you remember that? <laughs> the classic towing. Yeah. <laughs> you, you must have thought, oh. It always happens. 
You know, what was going through your head I then when, <laughs> when you looked back and saw that? Luckily, it was quite light wind, so we weren't going at a huge pace, and Jake got it back up. And then um, the the other thing I, I remember was you're a lot better at coaching than you are playing FIFA. That's all I can say. Because <laughs> I, I remember the following winter, we uh, at a youth squad camp, the PlayStation was brought out, FIFA was put in, and. Um, well, it was. It wasn't quite double digits, was it? When me and you played, it was. Uh, it was only nine nil. I, I think you were, you were very generous and didn't <laughs> give me the, you know, the the, the ten nil. I was I was appallingly bad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, you were. Yeah, you spent years there. Flower. You're definitely. Um, Brazil weren't you of all, all the best players as well <laughs> yeah I don't think anything would have made any difference like you, you probably <laughs> needed to have five players and I'd have given me an absolute <laughs> no. but that, that goes yeah, back I, to your I, I sorry go on no no I was saying yeah, I'll definitely leave you to that I was um, yeah <laughs> but, I'll I mean, take up a career as a, as a FIFA player you'd be you're a lot better coach than I probably am as well so it probably evens itself out in the long run and I think that's a huge part is I remember those youth squads and you're always sort of bringing a, a fun element to to the to the camps and you're sort of always looking on the bright side and you'd always sort of make little jokes as well which I always found quite you know fun and positive really yeah I think it's a massive part of it for me it's the, the enjoyment yeah I think it's you know, I think if you're enjoying yourself you're going to do perform better and and remember the things you know that's why I, I yeah definitely but you know I've always got some funny ways of explaining things I think or things because that makes you remember it you know because if it's just a bizarre way or something different something that's a bit obscure then then you remember it for, for whatever reason there's a connection you know there but yeah absolutely you've got to enjoy yourself you've got to have fun with too many people that maybe aren't enjoying themselves enough on, on the tour or doing it you know just going through the motions of it and plodding on rather than you know looking at how lucky we are to be doing what we are doing and uh, and, the, and the enjoyment that we have that we have doing it we get to go to some wicked places around the world you get to start against all these mates and uh, and enjoy yourself you know doing it there's a lot worse things to be doing for sure so uh, yeah take, take the opportunity um, like you said there's a lot worse things you could be doing um, and it, it's been great to catch up with you again I haven't seen you in a while with all Covid and everything so thanks for coming on this week Charlie and best of luck with well, coaching Ali with and you know getting the best out of her for the Olympics as I'm sure the UKLA will want the best result for both of you two and um, but that's it this week for now with Flower and thanks again to Charlie like I said and make sure you do go check out the other 
episodes that are up. There'll be weekly content going out. But that's bye from me for now.